Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little vulnerable this morning. Uh, a couple of things before we get into the spiritual discipline of confession. I, and I have to testify of this because, and I got permission to do so. Um, yesterday, for those of you who came and helped uh, with our Living Works project, um, both Friday or Saturday, I got this note from, uh, from the gal we served. And, and I share this with you because it's important that we know how our lives affect others. It's important that we know that. And I'm going to probably not get through this without crying because this kind of blew me away. Uh, good morning, Pastor John. What you all did yesterday was massive in my life. In 2018, my life was tragically impacted negatively. I gave up my job because of the situation. I had no money and didn't know what to do. My children were embarrassed to face the community and I couldn't allow Satan to reign over my life through fear and shame. I prayed and asked God to keep me strong and not carry anger or bitterness. I wanted the Lord to bless me so I could continue blessing children. At that time, the Lord spoke to me very softly saying, hold your head up and keep moving. Then I heard it again. Hold your head up and keep moving a second time, but louder. When he said that a, a second time, I understood what to do. I held my head up and started moving. Whoever was next to me, the Lord said, teach, hold your head up and keep moving. That feeling was a life-changing experience. Pastor John, I never imagined or expected to see that, that many people at my house working. It was an overwhelming blessing. I don't know how to say thank you. I have been conditioned, trained, and taught to hold my head up and keep moving. <clears throat> I did not learn how to accept sisters and brothers in Christ's blessings. This experience has been another impact in my life that's unexplainable. No one knew the details of my life and everyone came out without judgment. Walking by faith with a sincere heart is a true love for Christ. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. My prayer, Pastor John and, and all my brothers and sisters who came and those who wanted to come but could not make it. I pray that God's covering of protection and blessings to you and your families. This is a heartfelt prayer. I pulled up to my house, sat in my car, tears rolling down my face in disbelief. I felt joy, the love of Christ, a real joy. That's what happens when, when the body of Christ Shows up for each other, right? Yeah. All right, I have one more thing to say. Um, I want to shout out to my best friend, Craig Campbell, and my stepdad, his dad, Bob Campbell. They came up to see me. 
I, I think this is the first time you guys have been up here. Well, besides weddings and stuff, right? Yeah. Anyway, Bob, thanks for coming. Thanks for all you did for me. I stand here today as a, as, as a testament of that. All right. Enough of that stuff, man. I got to pull this thing together. Uh, that worship was brutal. Everything has been brutal this morning. I think my heart's been tenderized over the last week's. Uh, so today we're continuing the series called Formations, and last week, Pastor Drew talked about the spiritual discipline of prayer, and the week before that, the importance of the scriptures uh, being a consistent part of our lives, and I get the privilege of sharing with you some of what the Bible has to say about the discipline of confession. Will you pray with me? Father... We come before you, we just, we honor you this morning. There is no one like you. There's no one who has ever loved his kids like you have loved us. No one. And I just pray the psalm, search us, God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Teach us your ways, O Lord. Make them known to us. Teach us to live according to your truth. You are our God who saves us. Help us trust in you. Amen. 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 Did you know, and you probably didn't, this is kind of a rhetorical question, did you know how many times the word confess is in the Bible? I didn't know until I had to do this, but uh, I looked it up, and according to the King James Version of the Bible, there are 41 references from the beginning, from throughout all scripture, that talk about the word confess, confesseth, if that's a, that's a King James thing, <laughs> confessing and confession. And when I was studying the Hebrew and Greek definitions of confess, confesseth, confessing, or confession, I got this picture of when I was younger, and I was trying to sneak something in the house past my parents. <laughs> Did any of you do that when you were a kid? You ever try to sneak something in your house? Yeah? Good. I think, I think, I think we still do it as adults. I think we're sneaking it from our wives, we're sneaking it from our kids, come on. Let's be real. We're still sneaking around. So I'd be, I'll, give you, I'll give you my, this is the vision I got, and it was so, it took me back. I'd be trying to sneak something past my parents and get in, I'd, the goal was to get past my parents and get to my room with whatever it was I was holding behind my back. And sometimes it didn't fit in my pocket, that's why I usually had it behind my back. Or it would, sometimes in your pocket, if it's too large, it's a tell, right? Yeah. And so you have it in there, and you're like, okay, I'm coming in the back door, and I am, I've got to make it through the kitchen, through the living room, and get to the hallway. Once I, once I get to the hallway, I'm, I'm, I'm home free, right? So you, you got your hand behind your back with whatever it is, and I used to do things like, you know, back in my day, you could mail order like Chinese throwing stars, nunchucks. <laughs> Stuff that your parents would never, you, most parents would never let their kids have today. 
I'm glad you couldn't get firearms because I would have got tried to get those. But, you know, things like this, things that were sometimes they were like bugs and containers or uh, frogs or something, you know, something I wasn't supposed to necessarily bring into the house. And uh, anyway, I'd come in the back door with my hand behind my back and I tried to keep it kind of looking nonchalant. Sometimes I have two hands, which is really weird for a kid. Uh, it's like you're at a wedding, like, you know, but not at a wedding. Um, and I'd be moving through the, I'd be moving through the kitchen. I'd always want to make sure, like I'd rehearse it. I'd be like, just act, just act natural, just act natural. So I'd come in, I'd be like, hey mom, hey dad. You know, I'm moving quickly, trying not to, making good eye contact. I don't want to give, give away anything, right? You've been here? Are you with me on this? All right. So you get through, I get past my mom. I'm hoping my, when I hit the living room, my dad's reading the newspaper, so he's not really looking. Uh, hey, Dad, I get to the hall, and then you hear these words. Hey, son, come here a minute. You're like, are you serious? Like, I had this thing in the bag, and now it's, I'm, it's out. I'm like, so, you know, immediately your heart starts to race, and you go back to whatever parent called you, and, and panic sets in, right? Panic sets in. And you're trying to think of what you're going to say. And you face them, and as you're standing there looking guilty with your hand behind your back, here's the dreaded words. Or you say, or actually, actually you would say, I would say, I come, stand at attention, be like, yes, mom, yes, dad. And then you'd hear this, what's behind your back? <laughs> the gig's up. The gig's up. Terror sets in, and you extend your hand, or hands, usually a hand, and reveal what you've been hiding, and you await punishment. Well, I got good news for you this morning. Can anyone relate to this story? Okay, good, good. So I'm not alone. We all share this childhood trauma of trying to get away with things. Ironically enough, there's a Hebrew word... For confess, it's called, it's, I can't pronounce it properly, so I'm just going to say it like it says to say it. It's yauda, kind of like Yoda, but not, uh, which, means, which means this, to use the hand to hold out, to throw at or away, in, a, in special terms, like in worship, this happened this morning, to, to raise your hands, to revere and worship. It's the using of your hands. And an intense part of that is to express like discontent or sorrow over something with your hands. Sometimes it's like, you're ticked and you're wringing your hands, right? This is the root word for the word confess, to use the hand to hold out. There are four types of confession in these 41 verses, and we're going to talk about that today. If you're taking notes, I didn't highlight it, so you're just going to have to follow along. The first type of confession is confession to God. 
The second is confessing to one another. The third is what we confess or profess with our lives. And the fourth is what everyone will confess or acknowledge about God. First, confession to God. And this is the one that carries the most context in the scriptures, the most verses around. So at the, I'm going to take you, I'm going to give you a little context of where this shows up, where the word confess shows up in the Old Testament. At the end of Exodus, Moses and the people of Israel on Mount Sinai have broken covenant with God. You heard about the golden calf thing? Yeah. Bad move. Real bad move. And they damaged their relationship with God in, in their denial of him and them going after another God. And this meant, because of this damaged relationship, and this happens to us today, they could not experience his presence in their life because sin separated them. It was a separation between God and them, which wasn't God's intention. So in Leviticus, the third book of the Bible, God, it starts off by God calling to Moses from the tent or the tabernacle, and he gives him instructions for his people on how to be reconciled to God in their sin and selfishness. Hear me, friends. God's desire is to graciously provide a way for us sinful and corrupt people to live in his presence. Did you get that? His desire is that nothing would separate us from him. He does that through confession of sin. And in the Old Testament, we're going to read a few verses from Leviticus and an atoning sacrifice. So you would confess, and then you would bring the appropriate sacrifice, which varied based on the circumstance. Leviticus, if you want to read that, that's a great read. It's a great read. In Leviticus 5, 5 through 6, God says to his people, when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what way they have sinned. This is the first, the first place that the word confess shows up in the scriptures, specifically about the hand. Verse 6 says, as a penalty for the, sin, for the sin they have committed, they must bring to the Lord a female lamb or goat from the flock as a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for them for their sin. And friends, this wasn't just a personal thing. This was also a corporate thing in the nation of Israel. So, like once a year, God, God created this thing called the Day of Atonement. And he wanted the priests to make confession for the, the sins of, of all of Israel this one time a year. Let's look at it in Leviticus 16, 21 through 22. This is, this is uh, God's command to Moses for the priests. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put on the goat's head, and put them on the goat's head. Put on, put on the goat's head. Yeah, that's a different, that's a different religion. That's a different religion. I am so sorry, Lord. Uh, put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. 
The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it into the wilderness. You heard of the scapegoat? Jesus is our scapegoat. God's desire in personal and corporate confession for his people is to deal with the sin that separates us from him. He's a good father. Say that with me this morning. He's a good father. He doesn't want anything to get between him and his children. Because he knows what happens when we choose to separate ourselves from him. Bad and destructive things happen. Here are a couple of verses that exemplify this. David, kind of one of my personal heroes, says in Psalm 32, 32, 4 through 5. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Friends, have you ever felt the consequences of living in your sin? I should, everyone should be saying, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know I have, man. I have, I have done some, I have, yeah. It's been bad. It's been bad. But by the grace of God, I stand here today, and it's good. And I'm his kid. But the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the depression, all have a way of affecting us physically when we're out of alignment, when, when sin, when, when we're not living according to the way that God wants us to live. Then in Proverbs 28, 13, it says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounce them, renounces them finds mercy. Friends, why do we conceal our sins from God? I mean, that's, that's actually really dumb. I mean, because he is all-knowing. Like, and he's everywhere all the time. So it's like, you can't, how, you sort of figure that one out, right? Why we're trying to, it's like we're hiding something, but he already knows what it is. He can see, he's standing behind you, on the side of you, in front of you, right? He's everywhere. He's encompassing you, right? And he wants to restore us. Why do we struggle and, scra and scrape and scratch? when we have a merciful Father. And finally, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, in the Old Testament, God made a way for his people not to be separated from him through confession and sacrifice. In the New Testament, in the time that we live now, God gave us his son. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. What more can God promise or do to convince us to be honest with him? I think of the words of my story. Son or daughter, what's in your hand? What do you got in your hand? Second type of confession. Confessing to one another. 
It was interesting to me that out of 41 verses on confession throughout the entire Bible, only one asks us to confess our sins to one another, which is weird. I was expecting more. The majority deal with, the, deal with confessing to God, which makes sense for sure, and we know how hard that is. But here is the one verse, James 5, 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James says, and I believe that it is true, that confessing our sins to each other, then praying for each other, will result in our healing. Have you ever experienced this in your life? Have you ever experienced this? And if you haven't, you've got you to do some serious inventory, like today. You need to think about this. You should be experiencing this as a part of the body of Christ. I experience this regularly, and it's so life-giving. It's so life-giving. This is why we need to share our lives together beyond a church service. That's why we need to do living works or youth conferences. This is why we spend time together telling each other each other's stories, having a cup of coffee, I mean, come on. There's, this is so important. Jesus addressed it, but, but here's what's crazy. Jesus addresses this from a different angle, from the one who's been wronged. Not the one who is confessing wrong, but the one who's been wronged. Listen to this, Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have, gained your, you have gained your brother. Okay, there's more to that. He gives you a whole way to kind of handle that situation. It, gets, it, gets, it has layers. That's just the first. But if you've been wronged, Jesus gives you a way to be reconciled. In the case of the offender, in, in, the, in the case that the offender doesn't come to confess to you, right? You're the one that's been sinned against. You, you have an offense. It, he's, not, he's making it not dependent on the other person coming to you. He's making you responsible to, bring, to get to the, the reconciliation. Yeah. Oh, man, that blew my mind. It goes to show how hard, I think Jesus knew how hard it was for us to confess our sin. So he's making sure he's covering it from both angles. He's making sure there's no excuse for us to be unreconciled from our brothers and sisters. You won't, be able, you won't be able to count on the confession or apology of the one who sinned against you, so as a victim, you have to advocate for your own heart. Jesus is laying the foundation of forgiveness, even if reconciliation, reconciliation is only one-sided. You may never get a confession, but you need to reconcile your heart in the situation. Which Jesus modeled for us by laying down his life on a Roman cross. Matthew 18, 21 through 22 says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Seems reasonable. Jesus said to him, 
I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Friends, according to this, I don't think there is supposed to be a limit to how many times we forgive each other. And if there was, this is what the limit would look like. Matthew 6, 14 through 16. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Think about that for a moment. Basically, as many times as God must forgive you and I for our sins is the same degree we have to forgive others. Come on. What do, what, do we do, what are we doing with that? How are we as the body of Christ doing with that? I can tell you, if I was to grade it just off the top of my head, it wouldn't be a good grade. Change our hearts, Father. We're all sinners saved by your grace and mercy. Number three, what do... What do our lives confess or profess? I'm going to start by reading Romans 10, 9 through 10. It says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There's a reason why the two are connected. And we'll, talk, we'll see more about that. Do people around you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do people around us notice by the way that we live our lives that we're sinners saved by love, grace, and the mercy of God? Do they see that in us? Is that a part of the, of the confession of our lives? Or are we afraid to live what we believe for fear of others and losing stuff. Let me share with you a verse like many of the rulers in John 12 verse 42 says this, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Many rulers believed in, in Jesus at the time he was here. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Jesus' mission was to bring God to us. Katie did a great job in her prayer after worship today talking about that. And as followers of Jesus, we now share in that mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're to bring God to your neighbor. You're supposed to show what he looks like, what he's done. It's important to the mission of Jesus that we testify about how we're reconciled to God and God's love for all he made. That God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the testimony that should be coming out. This is the confession of our lives. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before people, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Friends, this is an important statement by Jesus and one we should seriously consider. 
and evaluate ourselves? Are we going to confess with our mouth what we believe in our hearts? Are we going to do that? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, just, I'm calling out the elephant in the room. I'm calling out every statistic that the, that the, in this culture and in this nation, how the church is declining. We have the message of hope. We're sinners saved by grace. It shouldn't be declining. It's like, it's, like, it's like winning the lottery. We should be shouting it on the rooftops what God has done for us. If we do, here's a promise. If you choose to live and confess him, Revelation 3, 5 says, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And there's a lot more than that. Father, give us courage to live out what we believe. Uh, worship team, you guys can come up as we cover this last one. What everyone will confess about God. This is so good. I feel like dancing. Uh, let's read Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. He's talking about Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that, the, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. A, that's an amazing statement. Everything in all creation will bow. Even the ones, even dead people when, in that judgment, they will have to rise and bow the knee. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, whether you decide to believe and reconcile your heart to God or not, whether in life or death, you will bow. And you will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Romans, the Apostle Paul says it like this, emphasizing again why we need to be reconciled to one another. Romans 14, 10 through 13 says this, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. That word confess and that means to fully acknowledge. There's not a shadow of doubt in the original language. I fully acknowledge you are God. You will. You will bow and confess that. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance 
in the way of a brother. We got some work to do. So I ask you this morning, what are you hiding from God? Why are you hiding from God? What is he asking you to confess this morning? Who do you need to forgive and be reconciled to? And what does your life confess? Those are sobering questions. And uh, I'll pray and leave you at thinking about that. Father, I, I thank you this morning. Thank you for your great love for us. That you, you have always wanted us to be close to you. But we messed it up along the way. And we will continue to mess it up. That's why you gave us Jesus and the cross, and you gave us the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, now and forevermore. Draw us near to you and to one another. Reconcile us, O oh God, that, that, that Jesus' prayer to you in John 17, that we would be unified and that the world would know you. Help us, God. Help us. And whatever, that, whatever it is for each individual in this room today, whether it's something that, that we're holding against our brother, which ultimately means we're, we're holding it against you too, as your word so clearly explains. Whatever it is, or we need, we need to talk to you about stuff that we haven't talked to you about in a while. I pray that you would work in everyone's heart. And I pray that the enemy wouldn't snatch it from us, but that we'd walk in confession and freedom and healing. Thank you for your wonderful grace and love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.